0: Welcome and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. Man, good morning, Movement Church. How are you guys doing this morning? No, like for real, like how are you guys doing this morning? Is that <laughs> Man, it is so good to be here for real. Uh, thank you so much, Bobby. Like he said, like Bobby and I, we've known each other for, for a long time. Uh, Bobby's been a faithful servant uh, in the kingdom and just preaching God's word faithfully, winning people to Jesus, changing people's lives. Um, I actually, I worked before we went to, to New Bern. I worked at a church in Hampton, Virginia, and I was there for for a while. I was doing youth ministry straight out of college, one of those green guys that knew everything. And, like, I I was the guy that, like, destroyed the building on Saturday night with teens, and then, like, we had to hurry up and quickly clean it up for Sunday morning. I was that guy. It was a lot of fun, though. Uh, But for, I think, four years, I think, I think that's what it was. I think I got to work with Sherry's dad for four years. And even after working with, uh, with David Jones, Sherry's dad, for four years, he still stayed in ministry. So uh, I'm thankful for that. He's still serving and doing some great things as well. So we're super glad to be here. Uh, thank you guys for having us. And uh, this morning, I want to encourage you with already, with the things that you guys are already doing and what you have done, with how faithful you have been and how you continue to serve this community, and how you guys love Jesus. I'll tell you, one of my most favorite passages in Scripture is written by this guy named David. He was a number of things, but uh, he was also a a poet, so he's kind of a creative, kind of a songwriter, and he writes this in in one of his, his, his poems, and he says this, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. before one of them came to be. What a beautiful picture of who God is and how much he loves you. And this passage of scripture never became more real for me than when I became a dad for the very first time. So uh, I I have a wonderful wife, her name is Katie. She has put up with me for multiple years uh, 20. <laughs> I put myself on the spot and now I'm in really big trouble. 22 years, 22 years, okay? <laughs> and I have three beautiful daughters. And when I became a dad for the first time, I remember this passage and I remember thinking, God already knows my daughter. He has already put my daughter together. He's already planned her life. He's already ordained all of the days for her. And I am so jealous because I am ready to meet my daughter. Any parents, are you guys with me on that? You're like, I remember my first kid coming to my kids. I was like, I want to know my kids, and I cannot wait. Some of you moms were like, I can totally wait. I get that. It was like, I don't want. Like, I know where they are. By the time we had our third, our third shot, our third daughter, uh, my wife was like, I'm ready for my third daughter, but um, I, right now I'm okay with her being where she is because I know where she is and I know she's safe and I got these other things going on. And so, um, but I love this picture on, on how God planned and put our lives together. Like if you look around this room, like we are all different. We are all unique And God did that in each one of your lives. God planned your life. God purposed your life. God wove you together. I love that that picture that David writes. He says, God wove you together. He's so creative. He's so intentional. He's such an artist. But I'll tell you what. When God created me... I realized as I got older, like, I I became a little bit frustrated with God because when God created me, when God put me together, um, God forgot to put something in me, right? Does anybody ever feel that way? Like, God put me together, and there's something that, like, is really important for me to have in life, and I don't feel like I have that. Well, for me, when God put me together, when God knit me together, he forgot to put an internal compass in me. Anybody else? Like I for real, don't ask me what direction is what, don't like don't like ask me how to get somewhere. I will get you the exact opposite way of where you need to be. If you don't want to be where you want to be, come ask me and I'll tell you how to get there. That's real. Um, and, and I remember like, early on uh, when I first became a Christian, I, uh, I was a musician, I'd been a musician for a long time. I started playing in a, in a worship band and we started traveling around a little bit. And there were times when we would have to travel and Dave, uh, our lead guy, Dave McCants, he would, um, he'd get tired of driving it. And he said, Greg, you can drive for a little bit. I said, all right, awesome. So I would drive and when we would come up to an intersection. He would say, Greg, which way do you think you need to go? <laughs> and I said, well, I think we're up here, we need to go right. He said, no, we need to go left. He said, so from now on, when you get to a stoplight and you think you need to go one direction, just go, don't even think about it, just go the other direction. That is how bad it is. I am, you know, it, and I think maybe God did it just to be funny, like, this is gonna be my humorous set. Like, I'm gonna watch Greg in his days and I'm gonna watch him get lost all the time. It'll be a lot of fun, you know, but I, I'm, I'm being for real. Like, I am terrible with directions. I'm lousy. I get lost with the GPS, and if you think I'm joking when I say that, that is real. Ask my my wife is on here this morning. She would tell you I will get off early on an exit because I don't know what it is. I get nervous because I'm afraid I'm going to miss my, miss my turn. I <laughs> This is it's it's almost not funny, but it is funny for everybody else. So um, I remember this one time. Uh, my my friend Dave had this was right after he graduated um, in high school, and. I was living in Yorktown, Virginia at the time, in the Tidewater area. Anybody's familiar with the 757, right? And so that's where I was living, and after we graduated, my buddy got accepted into NC State. So not too far from here, and he called me up, he said, hey, Greg, I have uh, tickets for the football game this weekend. Why don't you come down and we'll hang out for the weekend, we'll go to the football game, we'll have a good time. I said, perfect. So I took time off from work, and I was like, OK, got to figure out how to get there. So I went to the computer, and I got on MapQuest.com, and I printed out my directions. Look, hey, kids, where, where are my teenagers' kids? All right, look at me. Hey, at one time, we didn't have phones that had a GPS on it. So we had to go to a computer, and there was a thing called MapQuest. And you typed in your beginning and your ending directions, and it printed out a map for you. So this was perfect for me, right? Um, so I get that all ready, and I, and I pack up my suitcase, And I get all my stuff together, and I get ready, and I head out the door, and I get in my car, my 95 red Dodge Neon 5-speed, right? I bought it myself. I was so excited about it. And I get on the road and I start driving. And I'm like, okay, and I know in about 15, 20 minutes I'm going to see the bridges. I'm going in the right direction. Right, if you're familiar with that area, there are bridge tunnels. Okay? They go under the, the Chesapeake, uh, they go under the rivers and all that stuff out there. And, and so this is where I was headed and I needed to go that direction. Well, I'm driving and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, oh, I didn't see this yet. I was like, I must have to drive a little bit further. So I kept going. And the next thing I know, I see signs, Richmond, 15 miles away. Literally, the exact opposite direction that I needed to go. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I pulled off, I called my mom, because at the time there weren't cell phones, right? So I had to get off and put a quarter in the payphone and call my mom. You guys know what a payphone is? Are we good with that? All right, sweet. Now, yeah. like pay, payphone booths now are like fun. They're like the novelty. You get in them and you take pictures. We're like, hey, look, I'm on the phone, right? And, uh, but we don't know how they work. And so I call my mom and I'm like, what do I do? She's like, I don't know. I guess you turn around and come back home. However, if you're from that area and you know, what could I have done? All I had to do was finish going 15 miles up to Richmond because I could have gotten on 95 and come all the way down. Instead, I turned turned a two and a half hour trip into like a four hour trip. For real, it was like it was the worst thing ever. Uh, Actually, it wasn't that bad. But so I got totally turned around. So in all of my adventures in life, I tell myself this. This is how I make myself feel better. Okay, Greg, you're not lost. You're just not where you want to be. Like I am somewhere. Like they, I am geographically, I am in a place. I'm just not where I want to be. And, you know, anybody else? Like, like please, uh, please tell me I'm not the only one like this. Am I really? Fantastic. I'm the only one like this. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so. Um, but maybe. Have you ever felt that way in your life, though? And I'm not talking about like physically. Like geographically. I'm talking about spiritually. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you had really not ever seen yourself being spiritually, but all of a sudden you're in that place? Like, I never thought that I would be in this place. I never thought that I would, I would find myself in this place in life. Maybe you found yourself in this place in life, in in a place where you never intended to be. Something along the way that you had planned on being at, at some point in your life, at some point in that journey, you have found yourself somewhere else. Maybe it was because of a relationship that you were in that took you farther from God rather than bringing you closer to him. Maybe it was a group of friends that you had surrounded yourself with, right? And friends are important. Community is important. But sometimes some friends are really not good to be around. Because rather than encouraging you, and taking you to the place where you need to be closer to God, they drag you further away from those things. And you get involved in things that you never thought you would be involved in. Things that you thought they would fill those gaps in your life, that would make you feel better, but they really leave you empty time and time again. But whatever that thing was, you have just found yourself completely off track and not where you wanted to be. I remember it was the summer of 1996. My kids call this the late 1900s. It hurts my feelings when they say that. Anybody else, by the way? Yeah, it hurts my feelings. And I remember <laughs> I, was, I was out of high school. I was still living at home. I had a job at a, at a restaurant. I was waiting tables. I was going to community college. I had a, kind of an idea of what I wanted to do, but I really didn't know what. But I was sitting upstairs in my room, This is extreme. This is really vivid for me. I was sitting in my chair. I was watching TV. I was drinking Pepsi because what else? There's no other kind of soda. There's just Pepsi and maybe Dr. Pepper. And I was eating Doritos. It was in the middle of the day. It was warm outside. It was a nice day. And I was like, I was like 21 at the time. And I was like, Greg, what are you doing with your life? I mean, this is legitimate. like anxiety, fear, sadness, literally. out of nowhere just hit me, from, from head to toe. I was like, "Greg, what are you doing with your life?" See, I wasn't in a bad place. Nothing was really wrong, but I, I don't know if I was really where I wanted to be, or where I thought I would see myself at this point in time. I don't think that I would ever saw myself living at home at 21 or 22. I thought I would be doing something else. I realized that I needed to do something else. And the reason why I was in this place is because I really didn't have any direction. I really didn't have know what I wanted to do, and I didn't know where I was going next. And in life, we can get lost. We find ourselves off the beaten path, and we find ourselves in places and in situations that we never thought we would find ourselves. And this morning, if that's where you are, or maybe if that's, that's where you've been, I want you to know this. There is a loving and generous and forgiving God who loves you, who is aware of you, and who is with you at this very moment. He loves you so much that he gave you his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we can find redemption. You are never too far gone. You are never too far lost to be brought back because of what Jesus did. You too can have that love and that forgiveness. He is passionate about you and he is passionate about his creation and he loves you. And I think that a good place for us to see this this morning is in a writing by a guy named Luke. And Luke records the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and all the things that he did here on earth, and on one occasion, Luke records this, this interaction that Jesus has with some people. And they are all sitting around with him, and, and, and Jesus is with a, a whole bunch of different people. And in Luke chapter 15, Luke records this conversation that Jesus has with these, these folks who have come around while they are having dinner. Right, and when we begin in this Luke chapter 15, I want you to see who Jesus is with. Verse one. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, "This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them." Who's Jesus eating with? Who is Jesus eating with? This is, we can have conversation now. Now we can talk. He's sinners. Who else? Tax collectors. Who else? The Pharisees. All right, so right. So he's with everybody, right? He is with those who are so far from God and have no interest to those who love God and, I mean, they're trying really hard. I mean, they get a lot of things wrong, right? But uh, so do I, right? And so Jesus is having this conversation. He's with everybody. Jesus wants everybody to come around. He's with everyone. And it doesn't matter if you're a religious leader or if you're a sinner. sinner. Jesus invited you into where he was. And while they're eating, Jesus begins teaching in parables, right? Now, parables is that, that kind of that theological term, that church word that we use. But basically, a parable is like as a story. It's a story that uses day-to-day things, things on earth that we know, that we understand, that we, that, that, that we experience. But really, it's a story about the kingdom, when we were in Bible college, Bobby and I, we remember this, that a parable uh, is this, is that it is a heaven, uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? So this is, what, this is how Jesus is teaching and, and, and how he is helping them understand the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells three different, three different parables here, but all of them have the same meaning. They all get back to the same thing. And the first one that he talks about is that he introduces a whole bunch of sheep with a shepherd, right? And so all these sheep, they're all out together and the shepherd is taking them from one place to another, which was what they would do on occasion to go from one place where the sheep were grazing and they were feeding and they were safe. And maybe something happened. They were running out of food and they were taking them to another place. And along the way, the shepherd is watching and he's watching some other sheep, but one sees something and takes him in the exact opposite direction of what's going on. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was if he saw something that was interesting. I don't know if like, he turned his head and he just kept walking. Like, we hear time and time again that like, sheep are, are they, they're just not incredibly intelligent animals, right? They, they will just go and they will do something and they will follow each other into like, places that they don't need to be. And so when they get there, the shepherd um, takes his time and he counts all the sheep and he realizes what? That one's gone. One. And he says, all right, look, all of you sheep, you're safe here. This is awesome. Stay here. Don't go anywhere. I've got to go find the one. And so the shepherd goes off and he looks for the one. He leaves the 90 line. He leaves the majority. He leaves all of them here. He says, you're safe. i got to go find the one. Well, who's the one? Let's be honest. I'm the one. I am the one that got distracted and followed something that I shouldn't have. I'm the one that saw something that looked really good and I followed that. Instead of it being really good, it took me to some place I never thought I would be. Maybe at one time in your life you were the one. I don't know, there's a lot of you I don't know. Maybe this morning you feel like the one. And I know that there's been times in my life when something has caught my eye and it took me somewhere I never thought I would be. So even I am the one. I am the one that the shepherd left the 99 to go and seek out. The second parable that he tells is a story about a woman, a woman who has lost a coin. And so she goes and, and, and um, she finds the lamp in her house And she has to go and she has to find the oil and she fills up the lamp and she lights the lamp and she begins looking all around her house for the coin. So knowing that she's lighting a lamp, what does this tell us about the time of day this is taking place? It's at night. It's dark, right? And she becomes frantic and she begins looking for this coin everywhere and she turns her whole house upside down. She's she's moving furniture. She's looking for this coin. She's used up resources that she would really need for something else and she's taking time because this coin is a big deal. Because really for her, this coin meant to her one day's wage, all right? And I'll be completely honest with you. I will take everything out of my dirty clothes because I know that there's a $5 bill sitting in one of those pockets, right? For, like for a $20 bill, we're going through every part of our house. We're going through our car, we're going underneath the seats, right? Be honest, it's, it's, you know, right? we're doing that. So let me ask you this. Think about how much do you make in a day? What are you going to do to go find that? I am lighting up everything. I am turning my couch over. I am tearing my house up. I will take the floor mats, the floorboard out of my car. I will do whatever I have to do to find that coin. So she goes and she looks and she finds it and she picks it up. And what does it say that she does? She goes back and she puts it with the rest. She goes and finds the one and puts it back with the rest. She uses her time and resources because it meant so much to find the one. So then Jesus goes on and he tells one more story. And uh, we're going to read this one together this morning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn in that, that's fine. Luke chapter 15. And the last story that he tells is about a son. A son who goes to his father and says to his father, I want my inheritance. I want all of that that you have already planned and put aside for me so that I can have that and go do whatever I want. That's really interesting because usually when does a child get their inheritance? After the parents die, what is this son saying? basically saying to his dad? Basically he's saying, dad, you're worth more to me dead than you are alive. And I'm sure they have a discussion. I'm sure they're fighting and arguing about it. And the, and the father is trying to convince the son not to do this. But the father relents. And the father gives his son his inheritance. And the son goes into the city and has a great time. All of a sudden, he has friends all around. They're having parties. They're eating really well. And everybody loves him. And everything is great until when? Until the money runs out, it's gone. All the friends are gone. All the food is gone. There's no place to live. There's no place to be. He doesn't have a job. And he finds himself sleeping with the pigs and eating their food. Anybody ever been that far low? It's not a good place to be. If you've been there, you know exactly what that, is, what that feels like. So the, the son finds himself in this place. And he realizes and he says, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Let me at least go back to my father's house and look, I will go be a servant for my dad. I will, I will just live in the servants because at least they have it a whole lot better than I do. So that's what he does. He gets up and he goes back to his family. Verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Did you see that? The father was looking for the son. He was anticipating for his son to come home. I imagine that that evening looked kind of like this. Can you kind of see this in this picture? So remember, so every night the father had gone out. Where's that? Did you get that that picture real quick for me? It's pretty neat. Here we go, right here. I imagine it looked maybe something like this. So every day since the son had left, the father had gone out and looked over the valley. He stood in this one place, and he looked out in the direction in which his son left. And every night he stood there until the sun went down, waiting for his son to come home. And that's all that he wanted. And then one night, while the father is standing there, he sees a silhouette off in the distance, just cresting over the top of the valley, and as, as, as he walks down, as the silhouette walks down into the valley, he realizes who that is. He says, that is my son, and the father's not angry. Instead, the father is rejoiceful, and he cannot wait for their son to get there. So he can't wait so much that he runs down into the valley, and he wraps him up, and he hugs him, I, I imagine he maybe even tackles him, I don't know, but he lifts him up, and he hugs him, and he gives him a kiss, and they celebrate. I'll tell you what, I, three, I have three daughters. My youngest daughter, she is fiercely independent. She's beautiful, and she's fiercely independent. And when she was younger, she would just get uh, on her bike in the neighborhood, and she would take off, which back in the day, we could do that. They, you know, that was the thing. But like, nowadays, as parents, I'm fearful. I'm like, you're gone for five minutes. I'm like, where are you? So I would get scared. I would get on my skateboard or my bike or whatever, my car, and I would go around the neighborhood till I found her. And I would be upset. I'm like, why didn't you tell me where you were? I was so scared. And I would pick her up and I would hug her. That was five minutes. I can't imagine what this father felt like the amount of da- time that had passed. And all he wanted was his son back. Verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen to what the father does. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead and is alive again, he was lost, but now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you see what he does here? The father goes to the son. He puts a robe on him, he puts his fi- a ring on his finger. What does, that, what does that usually mean? If we see a robe on somebody and a ring on their finger, who are they usually? They're the royalty right there. He treats them like a king. And he goes and they have a barbecue. I love barbecue. My favorite time of the year is the first warm day in the spring because that's when I'm getting my grill out and that's when I'm cooking animal flesh, all right? That's when I'm doing that. Like, I'm bringing out a side of beef and we are eating. I think heaven is going to be a lot like a, like a cookout. I mean, for real. Like, I'm going to get there and there's going to be, like, cookouts everywhere. Like, we are, and I'm not talking about, like, North Carolina cookout. Like, don't get me wrong. It's good. It's good. <laughs> But I'm talking like for real grills. And we're going to be eating. And we're celebrating. And we see this is what happens here. That he brings out the fattened calf and they celebrate. And they have a cookout. And he treats his son like a king. Why? Because the one that was lost is now found. The one who is gone is now home. And we're going to celebrate that. I want you to know this. God really loves and rejoices in the one. Let me say that again. God really loves and rejoices in the one. He really loves and rejoices in the one who is broken and hurting and then turns to him for healing. God really loves and rejoices in the one who views their worth according to the world, but then turns to him and recognizes that their value and worth doesn't come from where they live, but but who made them, that their identity is found in the one who, who knit them together. God really loves and rejoices in the one who got off the beaten path, but has found their way back to them, the follower who hasn't been following, but then finds their first love again. I'll tell you what, I don't know where you are this morning. And honestly, wherever you are in your journey of faith and trying to figure out who Jesus is, right, and, 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 and who, how much God loves you, honestly, wherever you are in your journey, I, I want to say this, I'm thankful that you're here this morning. I'm thankful for Movement Church. I'm glad that Movement Church is here this morning because you get to be here this morning. And I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's absolutely God-ordained that you were here this morning. And God wants you to hear that he loves you and that no no matter where you are, God loves you so much that he gave you Jesus. Because God really loves and rejoices in the one. There's a time in Jesus' ministry where a number of people had gathered around to hear them again, right? But he really wasn't talking to the gathering people. He was talking to his disciples. And he says this. He says, blessed is the one when you are at the end of your rope, right? It's when you find more of God. Actually, I, I want to read it. I want to read this out of, um, out of the Bible this morning. And... Um, I am in an awkward position at the moment <laughs> because I, did, I did, normally have, have this read this in a different way, but I want to read this in a different way this morning. So, but he says this. He says, look, when you get to this point in your life, right? Here it is. Matthew chapter 5. It says, blessed is the one who's poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the one who, who mourns for they will be comforted. Blessed is the one who is meek, for they will inherit and they inherit the earth. Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed is the one who is merciful. Because why? Because they will be shown mercy. Blessed is the one who is pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed is the one who is a peacemaker, for they will be called the children of God blessed is the one who is persecuted because of, uh, because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is the one when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. And he says this, rejoice because of that. Blessed is the one. You see, God really loves and rejoices in the one. And no matter where you are or where you've been or what you're doing, God loves you. And I'm so thankful that Movement Church is here because you guys are doing what God has called you to do. You are going and you are seeking and you are looking for the one. So I finally got myself back on the right road. I was heading in the right direction and I eventually made it to NC State and I got to my buddy's dorm room and uh, he was waiting there at the door to the entrance of the dorms for me, and it was awesome. He came out, and we did the whole bro hug thing, and then we had a great time. It was a great weekend. We, spent, we had a, you know, saw the campus. I don't even remember the football game at all, but I know that we had a great time. So I've been the one. I've been the one that's been lost, not just geographically, but spiritually. God loves you. And you know how I know that God loves you? Because Jesus. And because Jesus' death, burial, and ultimate resurrection to life, defeating both sin and death so that we might have the same, so that we are are redeemed and that we are made new. And when we get to that point, our Heavenly Father comes out and he greets us. And he wraps his arms around us and he puts fine clothes on us and he puts a robe on us and he puts a ring on our finger and he has this great feast and he rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when somebody comes and gives their life to Jesus because the one has come home. And that's why a year ago, our family left everything that we knew, a great ministry and great people, and moved to Durham so that we could plant Renew Christian Church. It hasn't been easy. There's been moments of sadness. There's been moments of loneliness. But you know what makes it worth it? On Friday I went up to the building, was working on something, and while I was working, I got a message on Facebook Messenger from someone I've never met before. I said, hey, this is Derek. Hey, when are you guys starting things at the church? I noticed you're doing stuff. I live right across the street. I get to go have coffee with them next week. Or because of Bill Hupps. Something happened to me about, uh, Bobby, something happened to me about five years ago. (laughs) I don't don't know. Something happened. I don't know, like, because I live in a house of estrogen, that's what I have now. And, like, I have less testosterone. Something happened. But I became real weepy over the last five years. I don't know what it is. (laughs) is, It's just called something. (laughs) It's so funny. Or Bill Hupps. I met Bill Hupps because I was trying to find a group of guys to play golf with, and really the only time I had to play golf was on Tuesday morning, and really the only time that the, a group of guys on Tuesday morning have to play are, like, the, the older guys, right? You know, it's not, it's not the, young, the young guys that are playing, but, man, these guys have been great. And Bill, I got to play golf with Bill, and he said, hey, man, I really love what you're doing. I can't wait for Renew Christian Church. And two weeks ago, I was playing with him, and he said, man, I had a tough morning. My son called me this morning. Uh... Because he got a DUI. I don't know what to do. I told him, I said, hey man, you can call me anytime you want. Anything you need, I'll come over. Let's go. We can go talk about it. I'll help you, whatever. And he said, Man, I'm so glad I met you. I'm I'm nobody I'm Greg. (laughs) I'm that guy, Greg. You know, that's all I am. But I love Jesus. And I love people. So you are who you are. But the best part is that you love Jesus. I love Movement Church. I love that Bobby and his family came here. You guys are such an encouragement to us. Like, like, like Bobby said, we have some of our folks from Renew Church this morning who, who said that they were going to come and, 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 and be a part of service this morning. And I love that they're here because this is what it is. You guys, you guys have been around almost six years. And they are still putting one foot in front of the other. Every day, the next day, we're still meeting people. Baptized 11 people this year so far. Changing 11 lives. That's amazing. 11 lives were changed this year out of this church. That's because of you all. That's because you guys love Jesus. And that's an encouragement to us. I'm so glad that some of our people from Renew this morning because we get to see what you guys have done and where you guys have come from and where you guys are now and where you guys are going. Because you are being faithful to the goal of reaching the one. And as we continue to to launch Renew, we want to be the same. We hope that we can continue to be faithful and to honor God and what he's called us to do. Our mission is this at Renew, probably very similar to yours. First off, to love God. Second off, to love people. And we want to serve both every single day of our life. Our mission is this, is to go and to bring healing and hope and a renewed life in Jesus Christ to people in Durham. So while you guys continue to do that here, as you guys continue to remain faithful, will you do this for us? Here's a couple of things that you can do for us. Will you pray for us? Will you take time and will you pray for us each day? If you guys want to, we have a prayer team, and I still have a goal. I have 60 days to reach this goal. We have 75 people on our prayer team, and I want 100 people on our prayer team by the time we launch. There's a simple way to do that. I will meet you right back there at our table afterwards. I've got a QR code on a card, and all you have to do is, is open up that, fill out that form, and say, I want to be on your prayer team, and we'll get you added to our prayer list. I would love to have another, 70, uh, another 25 people join us in prayer as we get ready to launch. That's one thing you can do for us. The second thing you can do for us is this. I have learned that the triangle in this area is very connected, right? Very connected. People know people everywhere. If you know anybody in Durham, if you have family in Durham, if you have friends in Durham, Man, we would love to meet them and invite them into this adventure. You guys know what it takes to plan a church. You guys know how much fun it is. You guys know how much hard work it is and how fulfilling that is. Will you invite somebody that you know in Durham into that with us and help us get launched? That's how you guys can help us. So let me encourage Movement Church in this. Man, continue to seek the one. Continue to love people. Love Jesus. So that that one is no longer lost, but has been brought in and treated like royalty. And we pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for Bobby and his family. Lord, I thank you for their willingness to serve and to do what you've called them to do. And I thank you for these people who have sacrificed to serve and to do what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray for continued strength and protection around this church. Lord, open up our eyes, open up our hearts to see that you love the one. Help us to see the one that we need to reach next. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. all these things we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.